Welcome to the MicroConf Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or your 51st, I'm your host, Rob Walling. Today is a MicroConf Tactics episode where I dive into the number one problem with running a SaaS business. I'm not going to spoil it for you either. You're going to have to listen to the episode. Of course, our MicroConf Tactics episodes are where we pull audio from our YouTube videos. And if you want to see the full gorgeous visuals that my team painstakingly constructs for each of these videos, click the link in the show notes to go directly to the video or head to microconf.com YouTube. And one more thing. We've recently reopened the doors for our online community, MicroConf Connect. MicroConf Connect is our virtual hallway track. It's a vibrant community of SaaS founders helping each other and discussing wins, challenges, and frankly, how to grow faster. A couple months ago, we paused new signups to improve the platform based on your requests. With MicroConf Connect 2.0, we're rolling out three membership tiers packed with new perks like weekly co-working, exclusive discounts, a searchable content library, and more. Whether you've been a member of Connect or not, you really should check it out, microconfconnect.com. In addition, if you're interested in chatting with me at an upcoming MicroConf local, or you have a strategy or a framework that you think other bootstrap SaaS founders should hear, we are always looking for founders to come out and share their expertise during all of our conferences and events. If you're interested, head to microconf.com pitches and share your idea with us. And with that, let's dive into the number one problem with running a SaaS business. I want to take you back a few years to the last time that I launched a SaaS app. We grew very quickly because I had an audience and I had pretty good skills as a marketer. And we grew to seven or $8,000 a month and then we plateaued. And I didn't know what to do next. The problem was we hadn't built something that people really needed and were willing to pay for. We didn't have product market fit. And as you build, launch, and grow your own SaaS business, the number one problem at any stage is going to be that you don't know what to do next. That's the biggest problem. And it depends on the stage you're in. So in this video, I'm going to tell you the next steps that I would take at three distinct stages of building, launching, and growing your SaaS company. And if you stick around till the end, I'm going to tell you one mindset that will help you move forward no matter what phase you're at. It's what sets some of the best entrepreneurs I've worked with apart from all the rest. So in this video, I'm going to talk about three stages. There's the idea phase, or really it's pre-launch. Then there's, I've launched, but I haven't built something people want and are willing to pay for. So shorthand is we could call this pre-product market fit stage. And then there's, I have product market fit, what do I do next? Those are the three stages we'll cover in the next few minutes. So you're in the idea stage and you have a list of 20 ideas in a notebook, or maybe you have zero ideas. You have no idea which of these to build. The solution to this is to start talking to potential customers. Maybe talking involves emailing, as I did when I emailed 17 people that I knew who I thought might want to use the SaaS app I was going to build. So talking doesn't necessarily mean in person. It can be email. You can do it over Zoom. You can do it over text or Slack or Twitter DMs. The idea is to immerse yourself in the market that you are hoping to serve and start talking to potential customers. So if I knew 10 or 20 or 30 people who might potentially use the product that I was thinking about building, I would reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about building this thing. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? I can do it via email or DM, or I can send you a Voxer, or we can jump on a Zoom call, whatever is easiest for you. And then I'd have a few questions that I would probably pull from the book, The Mom Test, about do you have this problem? How big of a problem is it? What have you done to try to solve this 
problem. And if I didn't know anyone in the space, I would be going out and looking at Facebook groups, Slack groups, online communities, pretty much any vertical that I'm going to go after is going to have a gathering place online. And I would want to find that. I would want to provide some value in there. And I would want to do a ton of learning, both about the problem I'm trying to solve, but also about the people I'm trying to solve it for. This is why when entrepreneurs these days come to me and say, I have an idea for a SaaS app, I say, don't tell me your idea, tell me the problem it solves. And in addition, the next step is, tell me who it solves it for. In this phase, you're trying to figure that out as best you can before you spend the dozens or frankly hundreds of hours to go out and build something that people can start using to figure out, did I solve that problem? So that was stage one. In stage two, this is you've launched something or at least you have users using it, but you know that you haven't quite found product market fit. You haven't built something people want and are willing to pay for. Maybe you have five to 10 users. Some are trialing, some are paying you for it, but they're giving you feedback and the feedback is kind of a mess right? It's not going to be clear cut. Being an entrepreneur is making hard decisions with incomplete information and never is your information more incomplete than in the early stages of building your startup. It actually does get, I'll say easier. The problems get become different and the angst over the uncertainty of what you're building becomes less the further you get into this journey. So at this phase, you are trying to trial and error and you're trying to take your vision of what you think you're building and match that up with the feedback that the market is giving you. It's not the whole market. It's the 10 people that are trying out your app. Competition for great talent is more challenging than ever. Almost every startup I know struggles to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. In order to hire faster, you need a trusted source of pre-vetted candidates. Lemon.io is that source. They have an extensive network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. You're probably wondering, how is this different from hiring on your own? Number one, you can have an engineer who can start working within a week instead of months. Number two, you don't waste your time on unqualified candidates. Number three, you'll have easy access to global talent without going through dozens of job boards. And number four, it's more affordable than hiring local talent. So if you need to expand your engineering team or delegate some of your engineering work, use lemon.io. We have a special discount for fans of MicroConf. Visit lemon.io slash microconf to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of working with a developer. That's lemon.io slash microconf. And so the solution to this part is to look at the data, talk to these early customers. Who are they, right? Who's using your product? How are they using it? Why are they not getting enough value out of it? What else do you need to build to make the product crucial to solving the problem they're trying to solve? In addition, you have to be evaluating, are these customers the ones I want to serve? Because if you have an application and you have a bunch of designers and you have a bunch of developers and you have a bunch of photographers and you have a bunch of hair salon owners and they're all giving you different feedback, it might be time to think about which of these markets markets are going to be easiest to reach, which are more willing to spend money on technology, and which do I want to listen to if they're each giving me different feedback. Obviously, this process can be painful, and it is really not clear usually where which direction you should go. And this is where you need to use your founder gut, your vision of the product. Also consider getting outside counsel. If you're in a mastermind group, or you have advisors, or you have someone else who knows a little more than you about this phase, this is where you bring in that outside advice to help you navigate this. Even if you're really good at this and pretty confident and have a good vision, it might easily take you six months or 12 months to get from I've launched 
to have actually built something people really need. With my last SaaS company, it took us just about nine or 10 months to get from we've launched seven or 8K a month plateau to built this incredible thing and it's starting to become a rocket ship. So stage three is you finally caught the tiger by the tail and you've built something that people want and they're willing to pay for it. And you see your churn plummet and you see your trial to paid increase dramatically. You've basically found loose product market fit, right? Product market fit is a continuum. It's not a binary, but maybe you move from five out of a hundred up to 30 or 40 out of a hundred. And that means that you've solved a problem for a specific segment of the market. So what do you do now? Usually at this point, what you're trying to do is strengthen product market fit. So you want to keep building, but at the same time, you want to escalate your marketing and sales efforts. And so this is where you start trying different channels to see what works. So if you have a channel, and when I say channel, what do I mean? Cold outreach is one channel. SEO and content marketing are channels, partnerships, in-person events, running ads on Facebook, Instagram, or Google. Each of these is a marketing channel. It's just a way to get people to be aware of your product. And so whatever channel was working for you initially to get your first five or 10 customers, can you scale that? Can you double down on that? Or do you need to start testing your next channel? I've written quite a bit about this exact process of how to prioritize marketing approaches. I go through all 20 of the B2B SaaS marketing approaches I know about in the SaaS playbook. You've heard me talk about it on the channel before, but there's an entire chapter on just this process. So it's not something I can summarize here in two minutes, but realistically, it's to take the list of channels, ask yourself which you think is going to work or get outside counsel about that. And then you dive deep into that for a month, two months, three months until you prove or disprove the theory that this is the right way to scale this business. Because having product market fit is the step before reaching escape velocity. I call escape velocity building something people want and also having one or more scalable marketing channels to where I can cost effectively drive more leads and convert them to customer in a repeatable fashion. And at that point, that's when you have a pretty incredible business that will grow month after month, year after year. In a second, I'm going to tell you about the personality trait I see in most of the successful founders I know. But before I do that, applications to MicroConf Connect are once again open. MicroConf Connect is our online community of more than 5,000 bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped startup founders. In MicroConf Connect, you'll find other folks who are tackling the same problems you're facing, as well as folks who are a bit further ahead and can give you candid advice to help you move forward faster. As you probably know, as I say often, surrounding yourself with other founders who are in the same boat, they're like-minded, some of whom are ahead of you, some of whom are at the same stage, it is invaluable, especially at the early stages of your journey. Go to microconfconnect.com to apply. Okay, so now the single most important trait that I see in founders who are getting it done, who are moving fast and who are growing incredible companies, is this trait a bias toward action. Really, it means moving quickly. When you aren't sure what to do, it's easy to get stuck in a rut. Analysis paralysis takes over and you tread water while you overanalyze things. So the key to having a bias towards action is to avoid analysis paralysis. And it's to make a small bet on something. You go with your gut, you run a test, you do something. You're trying to prove or disprove something at any given time. Being in motion gives you more data to make decisions. This doesn't mean flip all around and try 20 different things at once and every other day I'm launching a new product. That's not what I'm saying. But I deal with some founders where they have come up with an idea for marketing, let's say a, a series of blog posts, and it takes them three or four months to get those live. And then I'll talk to a different founder and it takes them two weeks 
to get those lives. So what is the difference there? It's someone who is willing to have a measure of intensity and a level of urgency to ship things. You know, they're not right all the time, but they're right enough of the time that it keeps the product in motion and it keeps momentum because so much of building a successful company is building and maintaining momentum.